Welcome to The Raw Roast, where we have real conversations about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. My name is Ben Teivel, and I'm your host today, and I'm here with our impact pastor, Von Dornbusch, and our senior high pastor, Sam Townsend. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Do, do we tell them the truth about the coffee situation here this morning? Because I, I don't know if we when do. You said good cup of coffee. You literally, you're singular. You're the only one with coffee. <laughs> I am, and, but you know, I felt bad until you told me that you don't actually drink I coffee. Know. Sam so, and I are yeah. water drinkers. HTO is okay. Our, yeah, our for beverage. a long time we weren't allowed on this podcast because of that. Yeah, yeah. Raw water just doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring. No. But to it. we're grateful that you've changed your mind Okay, let us on. So. Well, and I appreciate you, you know, being willing to get up in time to come and record with us here this yeah. morning. I know you had a little bit of a rough night. Yeah. I, uh, with a the newborn. Of, there was a lot of crying. And, uh, <laughs> mainly, Sam, mainly Sam. That <laughs> was the Sam, is it you crying? Or is it woke up oh, okay. a few times, too, in addition to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate you both being here and giving... Uh, some time this morning just to to talk about some things that that hopefully are going to be helpful to our listeners. Um, and this is I, I'm I'm excited to kind of have this conversation here this morning. So Vaughn, this past weekend you tackled a passage that is uh, you know in, in many respects a, a really difficult one. Um, one of Jesus's parables that I think, at least for me, as far as interpretation goes and just the reading of it is. Um, it, it's a hard one. And so from Matthew 25, it's, you know, Jesus, in the, it's the judgment passage, the sheep and the goats. And so if you're listening here this morning, it's um, Matthew 25 verses, what is it, 31 and on? Through 46. Through yeah. 46. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I kind of wanted to just start there. Um, wh- you know, what what was this process like for you in, you know, preparing for your sermon and just diving into to this passage and, you know, just some of those highlights, like how did God speak to you? Um, it was a really great message and there was a lot that I, you know, that I, um, that I feel like God spoke to me about through it, uh, you know, through your, your teaching as well. But w- what was it like? Well, it is one of my favorite parables. And, uh, when I was asked to preach kind of last minute, um, I said to Jeff Morgan, can I, can I still do this parable? Because he had touched on it earlier in the summer when he preached, but he said, no, he said, I didn't really cover it at all. So that gave me the freedom to really dive into it. And that's what I'd really wanted to do, um, mm-hmm. to really see if, what, did the passage actually mean what I thought it meant? You know, what was there more to it? And so having that opportunity to dive into it was really helpful for me. And, and, and the two things that were big learning points for me, and other people have commented on this as well, you know, just the whole difference between sheep and goats. And, you know, it's more than just what they look like. It's, you know, it's how they act. And, yeah. and, and how well they follow, and all those pieces that I think bring some depth to the to the parable. Um, last night at our, we had a meeting last night of the Imago Day team, and uh, Herbert Sulengain, who grew up in Africa, yeah. said to me, "This is exactly what goats are like." What you said is because okay. he grew up herding goats when he was a boy. Oh my! Uh, so th- that was an interesting story I got last night from him, yeah. and just to see that difference. And then the other piece for me was the whole idea of who are the least of these, and that that. Uh, that verse is interpreted in a lot of ways more narrowly by some people. Um, my Greek professor from Trinity, Dr. Carson, um, sees that as only being Christians. You help the least of these who are Christians. It's very narrow because of the term mm. Delphos. And then other people interpret it just to be missionaries. And I think I touched on that a little bit in the sermon, but that was a struggle for me to really 
work through uh, the Greek, work through the context of Matthew overall. And, and really, that's where Sam's sermon was a help to me, because the Good Samaritan really sets up this last parable, I think. Who are the least of these? It's the mm-hmm. man beaten up on the side of the road. Those two things go together. Yeah. And Matthew really, the context of Matthew really helps you understand this parable, I think, as well. Yeah. And then Janine Brown, who's a professor at Bethel Seminary, also takes the more general view. And, and she points out some things like, you know, that it's not out, not every original Greek manuscript even has the word Adelphus in it. Mm. That's something that isn't even always there. Uh, it's not there the second time around. It's just least of these. And then the, just the whole idea that when you're talking about those that are hungry, those that are sick, those who are in prison, it's, it's a general statement. It's not a limiting statement the way it's said. Um, so the general view really makes sense in terms of what Jesus is asking us to do as believers. And I think that was the key for the whole passage. When I went into it, I wanted to know what is my responsibility here. Yeah. So yeah. Really, isn't there some like at some point you gotta look at the broader testimony of scripture right. and say, How yeah, how how is how is Jesus teaching about this in general and how even into the Old Testament? And uh, yeah, I agree. I think I mean we shouldn't be cherry picking the people in prison who are Christians only. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought you did a really good job challenging people to serve serve people who are in really difficult circumstances. Yeah, I agree. It, going back to the first the first thing that you highlighted about what you were getting feedback around the sheep and the goats and the differences. You know, I'm a real visual person, and so that was really helpful for me when you kind of talked about because again, growing up in the West, my my understanding of a sheep and a goat, I mean, it's v- very different, like visually. Like if you if you put two side by side, I'm like, well, clearly that's a goat. Clearly that's a sheep. You know, if you put two pictures, right, without any behavior or things like that. But I loved how you kind of helped, you know, give the context of, of you know, Jesus' day. So as he's talking about sheep and goats, um, you know, like you had said, in in that area, you know, in that time, the actual visual representation of a sheep and goat, oftentimes you wouldn't be able to know, tell a difference by just looking at them. Do you want to just share yeah. a little bit more about how that then like connects to to the passage itself? Like what is Jesus doing with, with that? Specifically? Well, it connects to the fact that Jesus as the shepherd is separating the goats, not based on what he sees, but based on how he knows their hearts and how he knows their character. And that's what you really see in the difference between how goats act and sheep act. You know, sheep are really good at following. That's what yeah. they do. And and Jesus is calling us to be his followers. It all it just all made it makes way more sense to me when I see it from that light. Yeah. And goats are kind of the way I used to be before. I became a Christian when I was a teenager. I remember being acting like a goat. It was all about me. You yeah. know, I made my own decisions. Stubborn. I, stubborn. Yeah. And go your own way. Go my own way and do do my own thing. And I didn't want to be controlled by anything or anybody. And that and that's how goats act, and that's what you know Herbert was saying to me. That's what he says. Goats will never follow me when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I had to chase them down, yeah. you know. And the sheep did follow. So yeah, yeah it's it's a it's a great uh, illustration that Jesus followers understood way more than we did. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, and and this is for all of us, right? I mean, I, certainly in my own life as well, and. It, you know, over the years, having conversations with folks who are both Christ followers and, and not, this is kind of the, the crossroads that we all come to, I think, as, you know, as the Holy Spirit works and convicts. It's, you know, 
the call to follow Jesus is to, to give up your life. I mean, it is to um, give up control, to surrender. I mean, and, and, you know, if there's a way to kind of encapsulate the, um, you know, the gospel, like what Jesus is calling us to, I think it's that. It's surrender of the control that, you know, that I think we in- inherently desire and, and want as a part of our sin nature. Like we want to go our own way. And there's that part of our nature that says, I, I know best. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this figured out, you know, until the Holy Spirit works in us. And by grace, we, we begin to see that, you know what, my way actually does not really work. You know, my, my best version of myself is, is just, it's not enough. And we need Jesus to step in and take control. But that, that's, um, that was really helpful f- for me to, to see the difference and what Jesus was really doing there, um, you know, in that difference between sheep and goats. Um, going back to the, the least of these, so Jesus is, you know, kind of this direct command, kind of saying that this is what um, behavior is going to, to look like. And Vaughn, you, you went there in your sermon, you kind of talked about, you know, well, how is it then that, that Jesus is going to know who his true followers are. And Jesus looks at the heart, right? I mean, you are very clear about that. He, he, he knows people's hearts. And so it's, it's not a works based thing. It's not him looking at you and saying, well, because you did all these great things, you're, you're in kind of a thing. But, um, but there is something very significant though about our behavior and about what he's calling us to actually do. Um, you know, in, in response to uh, him now being Lord of, of our lives. And so in my mind, that is, in, that is the outward part of our faith journey, that we're called to go, just like Jesus did, we're called to go up, uh, to connect with the Heavenly Father, you know, in worship and to ascribe him glory and honor. We're called to go inward um, with other Christians, you know, like-hearted, like-minded people, which I would, I would argue is, I mean, that's not always, that's not easy, but that's maybe a little more comfortable. I mean, I'm much more drawn to that potentially. Like I, I like to hang out with people who think like me and, you know, sort of act like me. And, um, we're, we're called to do that, to, to sharpen one another in the faith, but we're also called to, to do what Jesus is calling us to here, which is serving the least of these. It's the, the going out, um, living out our, our faith in, in, in love. Yeah, it's like I said, you're not going to probably see these six examples of the least of these at Calvary Church on a Sunday morning. You have to go out to find people that are hungry, people that are in these dire situations. You have to be willing to go out and enter into their world. So it's not an easy thing to do. Um, the sentence that I, from this sermon that hit me the most at the very end, and I'm still struggling with it, is it says that our choices reveal what kingdom we belong to. And that was the last thing I said in my sermon. And, and that's been mm-hmm. a struggle even for me to think what, that, what choices am I making now? Because the two things I could control are my treasure and my time. And mm-hmm. so what am, I, what, what am I doing with those two things? And what, are, what choices am I making about those in terms of reaching out to the least of these? That's good. So, um, one, one thing I said to someone after the sermon, you know, they said, well, I, how am I going to help someone who's hungry? And I said, well, the one thing you should know, and this might be helpful, is when people give to Calvary Impact, 
that helps buy food for you know shipping food through feed my starving children to Haiti. So even yeah. even the, just giving money to a certain impact fund at Calvary will help feed the hungry. Yeah, and people need to know mm-hmm. that's happening because because right. they, they don't think maybe they're even doing anything and they are. And so those kinds of things are important because it is treasure and time both. I right. think so. Yeah. Right. And, and time wise, Feed My Starving Children invites people to come. Absolutely. Pack meals. And if you want to, uh, there's another organization in Roseville called Every Meal that does a similar thing for people locally mm-hmm. uh, and packs meals for kids who. They used to be called uh, Sheridan Story. Sheridan Story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Every Meal is now the name of that. And someone's been involved with yep. both those things. Yeah. 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 And those are great organizations where, like, you can give and they need people to give, but you can also show up and actually put together those meals that are going to wind up in the hands of hungry people. Yeah. So what, what cool organizations we have yeah. available to us close to home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Sam, I, when it comes to just your, your personal walk, you know, with, with Jesus, but then also in the position that you're in as youth pastor, mm-hmm. you know, leading, um, leading youth in this really formative time, right, of their faith and their development. Yeah. And how is it that you... Uh, both do this personally, but then also kind of lead the youth at Calvary to think about kind of those those three, so to speak. You know, specifically yeah. the, the outward piece toward toward the least of these, as, yeah. as Jesus is talking about here. What does that look like for you? Well, so I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I preached on the Good Samaritan, and uh, of course, the question there is, who is um, my neighbor? Uh, the kind of a parallel question to the least of these, and um, and Jesus answers it with the you know pretty well known story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, I as I prepared for that sermon, I kept finding myself thinking like, okay, this is I mean I'm preaching, but this is certainly preaching to me, and I need to continue to think critically about man, how am I caring for people in tangible ways? How am I slowing down for the people that God puts in my path? Um, and, uh, and some days I'm really successful at that. And I like, even though I have other priorities, if there's an interruption, like I, I stop. And then other days I don't, um, I, a while back I, uh, wrote this 10 word prayer about, uh, how I, respond to interactions or uh, interruptions. Um, and it's, uh, this 10 word prayer is God interrupt my day with people who need your love. Hmm. It's good. Which has, uh, I, I try to pray that, uh, I don't, I probably don't do it every day, but I try to pray it. And, and when I get interrupted, it helps me like refocus and be like, Oh, Jesus said like the greatest things that we can do are to love God and love others. And this is an opportunity to love others. And so I, I, and I think that prayer, the interrupt, like asking God to interrupt my day reframes when someone does, mm-hmm. when that, that person drops by church or a student calls or um, a family member mm-hmm. uh, sends a text and says, hey, I need help with this, then I need to remember, oh, this, this isn't just an interruption. Like this is a, an answer to prayer. And so, anyway, that prayer that's is... A, uh, that's a good that's a good way to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's hard. I mean, that is a hard thing, and it's so easy to, to just get frustrated with people. But anyway, that prayer, God, interrupt my day with people who need your love, has been real helpful for me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, with students, uh, the thing that came to mind is, is we have uh, these vision statements for Summit, and uh, we want to, you know, Summit. We want to be a lighthouse that invites people in. That uh, you know, like a beacon. Uh, we want to be a living room that helps, you know, a place where students can belong. We want to be a laboratory where students can test big ideas and, um, and, and learn and grow together. And then the fourth thing is we want to be a launch pad where people can, students can take what they're learning out into the world. And I ask students often, um, hey, come up with, can you come up with a story about how Summit's been a launch pad for you? And inevitably, every student says it's the mission trip which is a great answer. Uh, Like on mission trips, we get to go and serve people. Um, But I always have to, I feel the huge urge to remind them that mission trips are not the the big time, uh, the checkbox every year where we get to say, we were a launch pad. We applied what we learned. It is a time and they are super valuable. But the real mission field, I think that we have as... Jesus followers is the one we step into when we roll out of bed every day, the one we um, step into in our schools, in our work, um, Mm -hmm. in our families. How do we follow Jesus in the day-to-day, in the trenches, in the interruptions? Um, I think think, uh, loving the least of these um, is not something that usually happens on a stage or in a spotlight. It's it's what happens in the really mundane times yeah. of life. Yeah. And, uh, and that, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's not always, um, it, it's not always glamorous yeah. to love people. Right. But it is good. Yeah. And I thought Vaughn did a really good job at, at challenging us toward those unglamorous yeah. places, like going through prison security was the image that stuck with me and. Uh, those those things. Hey, when when did you see me naked? When did you see me hungry? Like those situations. Um, yeah, they're not glamorous, but they are what God calls us to. Yeah, and the question from the sermon again that another one I'm grappling with. Yeah, is the question I asked: Where is the shepherd calling you to notice his presence in the face of someone you might normally ignore? Mm-hmm. And I think that was a, a good, really good piece for me to think about, mm-hmm. and also to notice his presence. And I know you guys have both been to. Haiti with me, and that's the first time I probably ever saw Jesus' presence in the face of someone. One of the children that we would hold, mm-hmm. you know, at Mother Teresa's oh, home man. for Melnar's children. Mm-hmm. When you hold one of those children, that's, that rocked my world. And that that all of a sudden you you, you sense Jesus' yeah. presence there. Yeah. And Mother Teresa says you will, and you do. You do. Yeah. So, and, and even at the AIDS hospice, yeah, similar kinds of feelings there. Oh, so, um, and not that we're going to experience that kind of intensity every day back here in the United States, but it's out there, Yeah, you know, and, and it's just, it's just being willing to take a courageous, being a courageous risk taker. Yeah. Sometimes it will be a risk to do something to help someone in need. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it just may be a, a little sacrifice. Yeah. You know, it could be as simple as Christy Becker sent an email out this week about an ass family that needed meals. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a simple ask, but it's someone who's in need. Yeah. And so how do we respond to that? We have to just always be on the, on the lookout because, Sometimes they'll come our way, and sometimes we have we have to just notice it because it yeah. won't. So. Yeah, and the ASK program, this you know the after school program that we have here at Calvary, uh, that's been running for for lots of years now, right? That, I mean, we've had lots of really cool opportunities to connect with families, um, and to um, mm-hmm. yeah, to be a, a lighthouse as you, yeah. as you were commenting on, Sam. 
uh, through that ministry. Well, our target audience yeah. is low-income families. Yeah. And so the people coming in, a lot of that we have Muslims that are part of ASK. We have yeah. Mormons that are part of ASK, you know, and they're coming yeah. in just because it's a free program. But we share the gospel there. Yeah. And we share God's love. And we also share food, and, mm-hmm. and we try to help them. You know, when we do the Thanksgiving baskets every November, which the ambassadors class puts together right now, mm-hmm. um, that goes to ASK families. It goes to churches in St. Paul that are in need, and it's another way Calvary responds. You know, so Calvary does have things that happen here that you can yeah. be involved with. So, yeah, yeah. I love um, that talking about your your time and your treasure. Uh, ask is a great. Uh, there's certainly time that a lot of Calvary volunteers put mm-hmm. into that program, um, and there's certainly financial resources that go there. I think of the relationships. I know there's a family at Calvary who's really supporting uh an, uh yeah they're they're supporting one of the ask families by you know watching mm-hmm. the kids occasionally and and it's the the relational um investment that is being made into lives is just so uh so cool i mean it's just a great ministry well uh, one of the things i wanted to to kind of come back to and and just drill down a little bit more into uh Sam, you mentioned this, and it's it's come out in what you're saying too, Vaughn. As Jesus calls us to to love and to serve, and we keep coming back to this theme, you know, the least of these, and this idea of when the way that Jesus calls us to follow Him and to love others, very rarely, and I would argue, maybe if ever, is um, is that glamorous? You know that that the call. You know, like we we see him talk about it in Matthew 16. You know, where he t- where he says, you know, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must do not deny themselves, right? To take up their cross, follow mm-hmm. me. This daily kind of experience of denying self, you know, I I think is as I'm thinking about it now, Sam. I think it's a lot like praying that prayer that you mm-hmm. that you mentioned. God, in- interrupt my day. God, would you? help me. This is the way that I pray at times, you know, God, give me your thoughts and your feelings and the purposes of your heart. Like help me see those that I would, that I'm not normally seeing. Like you said, Vaughn, like help me to, um, you know, in, interrupt my day with opportunities in essence to, de- to deny self. And that's what the good Samaritan did so well. That's why his sermon fits this theme so well, yeah. because the good Samaritan had his day completely interrupted. Right. And he took the time to offer his money. I mean, he did everything to help someone he didn't even know right. who was in great need. That, to me, is an amazing story. Yes. Life-changing. So one, one example would be, you know, we are, we're all reading, reading and seeing what's happening right now in Afghanistan. Um, I don't know if everyone knows that Arrive Ministries will be taking some of these Afghan refugees to the Twin Cities. Mm. And they'll be reaching out to churches like Calvary and saying, are there families at Calvary that would like to get involved and helping one of these families resettle in Minnesota to come alongside them. So we'll have a, there'll be a thing that we're going to promote, a, a listening session on Zoom that you can learn more about how to get involved. That's coming in October. So there, the opportunities are there. It's just the challenge for, I think, American Christians is we're so busy with all the stuff we have going on in our own lives to take time out for someone else is hard. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to start giving some things it's, up. It's sacrifice. Start giving some things up if we're going to actually have time for this. That's my conviction right now, I okay. think. So. Well, and I, so when, 
these are the types of things that I think about when I read, you know, we must deny ourselves, you know, that there, that sacrifice is a, is a part of this, you know, like I, I don't, I think the two go hand in hand. I really don't think there's another way to, to love and to serve in the way that God is calling us to. But, but again, it's, um, the least of these require that, it especially if you're going to do that. If you're going to minister to people at church, maybe not so much. But if you're going to yeah. really go after that target audience, yeah. it's going to cost you something. Well, in your experience, Vaughn, what? Because you know, I think some of the the thought maybe from from our listeners, or just for sure, even in my own life, is man, sacrifice is hard. Like to deny self is inherently probably the hardest thing we'd ever do. We actually, need we. We need the spirit to empower us, I would say, to even, you know, do that, to, to fully deny self and um, to regularly kind of be putting ourselves in a, a position to, to be loving sacrificially. And maybe you could speak into this, your own experience. What is it like to deny self and to love sacrificially in, in these different kinds of ways? Like, what has been your experience? I, I like, think- what do you... The, yeah. the key, the key, one of the keys is it's easy to get fatigue from all the needs, and so to really pray that God will help you focus on what He's calling you to do, because there's no way you're going to reach and help everyone. Yeah. You'll just get overwhelmed. So God, what are you asking me to do? Where do my gifts fit? That's you know, good. where can I plug in? And I think that will help you, mm-hmm. and that's helped me. You know, there's certain things that in Haiti that I'm really involved in, even outside of Calvary, um, and that's a calling for yeah. me. So, but everyone will have a different place that God will call them to. But otherwise, you know, this whole idea of, what do they call it? It's a fatigue. It's a word with fatigue. Um, compassion. Compassion fatigue. fatigue. Yep. Yeah. That's a real issue for yeah. Christians because it's, you don't know where to start. Yeah. So. Well, and, and, and how has that shaped you, Vaughn? Like in the ways that, that have come up for you, the opportunities that God has put before you to, um, you know, to, to love sacrificially in these different ways, like. What what has that done in you? How has that shaped you as a as a person? You know, I think it brings a humility mm-hmm. for me because I have to trust God to, that I'm responding the right way, and it's also just just the idea of trusting God to work through the the people we work with. You know, it's easy to take over. Yeah, you know, say I, I I'm the big helper now. I'm the big savior coming in to help people that are in need. You can't. You have to have the perspective that you're coming alongside. Mm-hmm. You're walking with them through challenges they're going through, uh, and then you're giving them a chance to actually lead. Yeah, And so that's been probably my biggest lessons in Haiti, because I've been involved in Haiti for such a long time. And mm-hmm. to see how God has brought people in Haiti into leadership positions and, and, and things where we came alongside, we didn't take over. Yeah, And so that's probably my best example. That's where God changed my life. Yeah more than any other country I've ever been involved with. So, And, and they've probably done a great deal to, to teach you. They've right? taught me a lot. Yeah. They've taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And they've changed. I mean, there are so many students that have come to the youth ministry that their trip to Haiti was a key point in their focus where they went with their lives. Yeah. You know, there's people now that are medical doctors. My son works in ministry because of, Haiti was the beginning point mm-hmm. that challenged him to think, of, think beyond himself. Yeah. So, and that's kind of the goal of a trip like that. So, okay. yeah. And that really speaks to, I, I think this call to have a, you know, a, a mindset that God is a, a global God, right? Like Jesus is not an American. Like we, it's easy you know, he, the spirit is moving all over the globe. Um, so there's a, a global context, right. To, 
to the movement of God. And there's also a very local um, movement and context for the move of God. And so he's placing stuff in front of us every, every single day, right? Opportunities mm-hmm. where we would say, well, that's a little, that's a little opportunity. But then we've, we also have, I think this call to be thinking more globally, sure. like God is moving everywhere. And God's bringing the world to our doorstep in Minnesota. Yeah. You know, I think, is it a third of the Twin Cities population is now first generation immigrant okay. families. So, you know, any ethnic group, any language group you want to find, even at Calvary, we found in our Imago Day surveys that there's over 30 languages spoken at a Calvary church, mm-hmm. which blew us away. Wow. We, had, we had no idea. So, 30 languages. Spoken at Calvary church. Yeah. Wow. So. Wow. Well, this is really good. I, I feel like we could talk for another long time here and we'll have have to continue our conversation, maybe just not with the record button going, but I, I'd love to kind of, as we end and wrap this in, you know, the theme has kind of been, you know, this Matthew 25 passage, Jesus calling us to love the least of these. And what does that look like? And what does that mean practically? And you both have given a lot of good stories and, and thoughts around this. Sam, I want to start with you and ask what would be one thing that you'd want to leave with the listeners just, just as a thought or a practical application, something um, that you've kind of been, you know, thinking about here and, you know, that you feel like might be important for, for them to, to hear today. I think that it can be real easy to um, really focus in on the holiness part of following Jesus and really like try, you know, try not to misstep in the ways that we're, uh, obeying Jesus, and that is important, and that matters. But it's not the whole thing of being a Christian. So um, I think that Vaughn and his sermon said it really well, and I, I wrote this down. So Vaughn's really going to have two last words here. <laughs> um, but uh, near the end of his sermon, Vaughn said, "It's a mistake to assume that becoming more like Jesus is merely stopping bad behaviors. The more we become like Jesus, the more our lives will be poured out in service." to others. And so I think, um, Hmm. when it comes to following Jesus, I think, I just think it's a really good thing to remember that it's not just about like all these rules that we, we can't do certain things. Um, it is about who we are becoming and who we are following like sheep. Uh, we're walking in the footsteps of a shepherd and, uh, and it's, it's acting like Jesus. It's, loving people like Jesus. Um, it's that compassion like Jesus. And, um, and, and so I think, I think the challenge I would have is, yeah, we talked about compassion fatigue. You can't do everything. You guys said that, but do something. And, Hmm. and what is that thing today? Um, what's God prompting you? Mike, uh, pastor Mike is fond of saying, Hey, if God, if you listen to God and the little things, then he'll give you bigger things to listen to. If, you, if you're trying to hear God's voice, then, then listen with mm-hmm. small things. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if God's inviting people to have some compassion today yeah. and how can we listen That's and how so can good. we respond. Awesome. Vaughn, how about you? What, what would be one thing that you'd want to leave with the listeners today? Um, I, I think one of the final points I made in the sermon, like the take-home point, one of, the, one of them was little things matter a lot. Mm-hmm. you know, And certainly... The parable talks about feeding people and clothing people, but the cold drink of water offered to someone in Jesus' name was also listed as something that was really important. And so I think of, you know, you're, you're working at, in Pelican and you, you're, you hug a child. 
you know, or you're involved with after school kids and you're helping someone with their homework. You know, those little things matter to Jesus and we forget that. We think it has to be the big flashy thing up front and it doesn't have to be. It's behind the scenes. It's just showing God's love through how you live and how you relate to people. And that it makes a huge impact, and it, it has great value in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget about that sometimes. Yeah. We minimize those mm-hmm. things. So That's good. So I'd encourage people, just stay involved. Yeah, Keep doing things for people. I love that. One thing that I would just add, I've, I've been thinking about this as we've been talking here. I think it's good application, but there was a book I read a while back called The 10-Second Rule, and it's, it's really applicable to this conversation. And essentially, it, um, the idea is you know, with, within 10 seconds, if, if you are, um, if you feel like God is telling you to do something, <laughs> you know, and, and you, and you have a moment of kind of checking it out, it seems, it seems reasonable in, in how it is that you un- understand scripture and who God is, if it, li- if it's lining up with that, do that thing <laughs> within 10 seconds, because there's a really good chance that after 10 seconds, there's going to be a way that you convince yourself otherwise. Or the conviction goes away. Or the conviction will go away. Yeah. And so um, that's what I would say is um, maybe think about the 10-second rule today. I trust that if you're walking with Jesus, the Spirit is speaking. The Spirit is giving you opportunity. So I think starting off in the morning praying, God, interrupt me today. God, help me see what you're giving me opportunity to do and help me to do it with within the 10 seconds. Like, you know, help me to, to say yes. That's what I'm going to be doing today. And uh, hopefully this has been uh, encouraging for you all as well today. So I just wanted to thank you for listening. Um, if you'd like more information about Calvary Church, I just want to encourage you to visit uh, calvarychurch.us, our website. Also, you could check us out online or in person on Sunday mornings. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. It also helps if you leave us a review. And so we look forward to having you join us again next week.